Welcome to Roman Emperor's Hotelus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven, And this is Leo 3, Ooh. episode 107. Ooh, not yeah. bad. Not bad at all. And you're absolutely right, Jamie. It is the first of the Isaurian dynasty. I thought as much. I know you did. It was yeah. on the tip of my tongue. It was. Because after all, we finished the 20 year anarchy now. Oh, it's finished? Yes, it's over. We're going to wow. see who finishes it. That went out with a whimper, didn't it? Oh, it really did. <laughs> um, you got Genesis R? <laughs> Good God. It's been a month since we recorded Tiberius 3, if you're binge listening and you've just gone straight on to this, because we released a, a Roman Republic episode. So, would mm. you like a bit of a recap before we go into things? Yes. Okay, so Justinian Nonos was deposed by Philippicus. Yes. His second reign, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Philippicus was then blinded by the Greens and killed in the changing rooms. Nice. Yeah. Then the soldiers of the Opsician theme rebelled. But the rebellion didn't seem to do very well, because although it killed the last emperor, the new emperor was Anastasius II, and the first thing he did is kill the leaders of the rebellion. So, Anastasius II is now the emperor. He prepared for the incoming invasion of the Caliphate. Remember, the, the invasion's coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it needs to be dealt with, and Anastasius II seemed to do a fairly good job, but then the surviving Opsicians rebelled once more, mm. and forced Theodosius III to become emperor. Yeah. Yeah. And so there you go. He is emperor. We're pretty much caught up. But before we continue, mm. <laughs> you're right there. Yeah, yeah I'm, just, I'm just checking him out. It says bum, keys bum, give up, caliphate invasion, Bulgars, no problem. Leah rebelling, good general, no battle, retired. Makes sense. Why do I? That means nothing to me. Why do I write these notes? <laughs> Don't know. But before we continue, now we've done our recap. We do need to stop for a moment because. We've got a correction to do. Oh, not again. Because as predicted, we had quite a few people contact us about our rating of Theodosius III. Really? What about? Well... Were we too lenient? Interestingly, everyone agreed that uh, our Gene César should stand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I really thought we'd get comments about. Yeah. But no, no, it wasn't that. Apparently, we were too harsh on him. In what way? Apparently he deserved at least one or two points in Successus Ultimus, because he knew when to give up the throne. Now, I listened back to the episode and realised that our analysis of him was literally us both laughing before the next sound cue came in. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so <laughs> perhaps maybe we were a bit harsh. Uh, do you want to give him a point for knowing when to throw in the towel? No, because that's not successful. That's giving up. <laughs> but if he'd clung on, there would have been a civil war and the caliphate would have come in and... That's just predicting. We don't know that would have happened. No? No. You're not I'm, gonna... I'm sticking with it. You can give my point if you want but I'll be very disappointed if you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In that case, cut the music. <laughs> no correction at all. We are sticking by our score, damn it. He's got Jeanne Cesar. He should count himself damn lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> And when they have a big fight at the end, he'll probably just, like, tap out quite quickly. Oh, yes, definitely. 
Anyway, we're not doing Theodosius III today, as amusing as he was last time, because we now have his successor, Leo III. Now, Leo has some quite big names, apart from Leo II, has some, got quite a lot of ancestry <laughs> and, you know. Well, yes, like you say, Leo I did quite well. Leo, Leo. Leo one kicked off our second series quite well. Is this Leo Leo? This is Leo Leo. As in yeah. the general Leo the gen- Leo. Yes, yes. There you go. See, it's all coming back to you now, isn't it? Leo. Leo. It's amazing. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see when we look into him. He's got like amazing hair, great eyes. He has a beard. Does he? We'll get into it. Okay. Because today we are starting with none other than Justinian No Nos. Yeah. Picture him there. He's marching. Nose shaking softly in the wind. What, his golden one? Yeah. He's not got that yet. Oh, okay. No, he's marching towards Constantinople. Then his regular nose shaking in the wind. His what? Regular nose. His no, nose no, no, his nose has been chopped off. Oh, so he's just got a hole? Yeah, yeah. Then it's whistling in the it's breeze. It's whistling <laughs> in the breeze, yes. Anyway, he's just escaped assassination attempt by... That's him walking. <laughs> I see. Right. He's just escaped assassination attempt by uh, the Khazar Kagan. Uh, he's just picked up some supporters in Charson, and he's landed near the mouth of the Danube. He then, if you remember, set up a meeting with Tavel, the king of the Bulgars, or at least some of the Bulgars. Right. And he brought Tavel on side, and together they marched on the capital. I vaguely remember that, yeah. And that's what's happening right now. Okay. You see Ooh. them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His nose is whistling in the breeze, and Tavel is marching right next to him. Brilliant. Looking slightly irritated. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what that sound is. Keeps checking his phone. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. So we're in Thrace. That's where we are. And they're marching. They're looking stunned. But don't focus on the deposed emperor, but instead a peasant farm boy in his late teens, in a field with a bunch of sheep. Nice. Are you picturing him? Bleh. Is that him or one of the sheep? One of the sheep. Right, okay. His name's Conan. <gasps> Not the barbarian. Oh, uh, Conan the shepherd. Conan the shepherd, yeah. So he's, he's looking after his sheep. Doing whatever shepherds do. It's best not to ask, to be honest. Yeah, probably not. Conan was a bit unusual in the region uh, because his family actually came from the Syrian frontier. Okay. They'd been relocated in Thrace. Do you remember in Justinian No-Nose's episode? <laughs> Already shaking your head. <laughs> well, Justinian had relocated a whole bunch of people from the Syrian frontier and placed them in Thrace for diplomatic reasons. Vaguely. Yeah, so there's a bit of resettling going on. Anyway, Conan's family got caught up in that, so okay. that's why they're in Thrace. Oh. Therefore, he can speak good Greek, mm-hmm. uh, but also fluent Arabic, most likely. Okay. So he's got good command of the, the local languages. Anyway, the rumble starts in the distance. He's looking after a sheep. All the sheep look up. They're not sure what's going on. He realises that this is none other than a host of armed men. The deposed emperor himself, according to the rumour that was spreading quickly, Ooh. was due to walk straight through their village. You'd be a bit nervous, wouldn't you? Because you think, are they going to loot my village to get things? Are they going to take my wife? You don't have a wife. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but people generally in the village, oh, but, yeah, yeah, are they going to yeah. do bad things to us? Because well, you... we're in the way and, you know, soldiers might not be in control. Well, you're, you're a shepherd. What do you have? Sheep. Yeah. Oh, Poor sheep. <laughs> well, I mean, let's face it, and this is what Conan's thinking. There's no way Bessie, Billy, Herbert and Nellie are surviving this. <laughs> it's so much crueler when they've got names, isn't it? <laughs> it is. His parents keep telling him to stop naming the sheep, but he can't help himself. Yeah, they're off to the slaughterhouse next week. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know he cry all the time. 
Well, Conan's uh, a sharp tack. A sharp tack, yes. He sees quicker than anyone else what to do here. He knows that when the army marches through the village, they will pick up the livestock because the army need to eat. He's going to lose his flock. It's it's an inevitability. It's going to happen. So what he does is he rounds up all his sheep and he directs them straight towards the army. As like a gift? Distraction? It's like you're going to take them anyway. You may as well have willingly have them. Either that or he's planning full-blown attack. <laughs> the slowest, woolliest <laughs> march. Yes. <laughs> no, you got it in one, actually. He approaches the column and he asks to see the emperor in exile. I am but a humble shepherd boy, but I come with a gift of 500 sheep to offer the true emperor. 500 sheep? 500 sheep. That's a big flock. That's a big flock. Do you think you really wanted to see the emperor or just see the nose hole? Because I'd want to see the nose hole. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? There's been a lot of stories about this guy. Yeah. Conan would have heard a lot about this man. And rumours were spread like, apparently the nose hole talks. (laughs) Yes. Don't look at it directly in the eye, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So... Somehow, he managed to gain an audience with Justinian. I'm not entirely sure how. I mean, you'd expect the guards to say, sod off, you're a shepherd (laughs) boy. (laughs) Yeah, we'll take your sheep, what are you going to do about it? But no, apparently he gains audience. I guess there's a bit of respect. It's like, well, yeah, fair enough. Maybe you just sort of waited in a bush and jumped out at the right moment. He'd have been stabbed stabbed like a kebab. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows how he did it. Uh, But he manages to gain that audience. And Justinian was very impressed with this gift of 500 sheep, but more impressed with this boy who seemed a bit switched on, a bit more switched on than perhaps your average peasant. The average shepherd, yeah. Yeah. He can count and speak and everything. Well, yeah. He knows his own name, sir. (laughs) Justinian was so impressed, he offered him a job there and then. Oh, nice. You can come and work on my staff, young shepherd boy. Conan did not look back and joined the emperor in exile in the march to the capital. I think it may have been slightly necessity. It's like, we've now got 500 sheep to look after marching with us. We need a shepherd for that. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll take your gift, but you're coming along too. Nice. Do you know how to make lamb chops, I'm assuming? <laughs> now, we don't have any details of what Conan did for Justinian at this time, but once Justinian took back the throne, Conan's knowledge of Arabic suddenly became very useful, and he was soon a close advisor for the emperor. Any, really? any dealings with the caliphate, you've got someone who's fluent. Nice. Right there, and someone who is loyal solely to Justinian. Remember, Justinian's walking into a court mm-hmm. and for ten years had been rumbling on without him. He doesn't know who to trust. That's a good point. So having someone you know fully supports you. Yeah. And a translator, yeah, it's great. So he's got Brilliant. a he's got a, a meteoric rise there from peasant boy to advisor to the emperor. Hell yeah. Yeah. And as you can imagine, this led to several enemies growing. <laughs> yeah. Lots of people who had spent their lives grinding away trying to rise through the ranks. They'd been learning that song, singing it to themselves day in, day out. I will rise through the ranks. (laughs) And suddenly, there's Conan. He's risen through the ranks. What the deuce? (laughs) He did it overnight. What the hell is this? Yeah. Then one day, news reached Justinian II's ears that Conan was plotting against him. No, not Conan. Oh, yes. Justinian, to his credit here, didn't go off the rails. And apparently this is during the time where he was stringing people up on the walls (laughs) and throwing people into the river in sacks. But he he didn't do that with Conan. He called an inquiry instead. Well, maybe because he thought, well, that's very unlike him. That would surprise me if that was true. Yes, I, I think you're right there. I think Justinian thought, 
<laughs> yeah, right. Fine, we'll call an inquiry, we'll look into it. So they did. And sure enough, nothing was found whatsoever. There you go. Yes. Justinian announced his support of his advisor, deciding that it was indeed jealous enemies of the young man who had plotted his downfall. That's that's for Justinian's credit though, that's pretty good. Oh yeah, it yeah. is, because he really is painted as a tyrant during mm. his second reign. There you go. That's nice. Yeah, that's one nice thing he did. It is. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably looking up whilst like decapitating someone who'd <laughs> done him wrong that morning. Yeah. What's that? Conan? No, oh, he's a good lad, though, isn't he? Yeah, it's fine. Ah, let it slide. Right, where was I? This <laughs> yes. will teach you for hard-boiling that egg. <laughs> yeah. However, despite this, soon afterwards, either because Justinian feared for his advisor, thinking that his enemies would plot against him mm. even more so, or, alternatively, because Justinian was worried that the rumours were actually true, he announced that Conan would lead a delegation to the east. Nice. Get him out of the capital. Conan was to lead a diplomatic mission to the Allens. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've seen the Allens, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, again. Oh, they missed the Allen key. <laughs> yes, they did. Allen wrench. Yeah. They all wore white shirts and uh, rolled up sleeves. Oh, yeah. Allen! Yeah? yeah. Allen! Yeah? They've all got ink marks in their pocket. Oh, yeah. But yeah. You, the clever ones have ink protectors, little pocket protectors. Clever. That's that's Alan level thinking, right? That uh, shows your rank. That does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the last time we saw the Allens, they were over the Danube near the Alps, but also with the Vandals in Spain and Africa. We've had Allens all over the shop. They're quite spread out, aren't they? Yeah. These particular Allens were living north of the Caucasus. Where where are the Caucasus? That ring uh, the bell. The the mountain range just to the right of the Black Sea, so okay. top right of Turkey. So we're slightly further down than where the Khazars are at the yeah. moment. We're still around the Black Sea region. Okay. That's where we are. Anyway, Conan's got to go and see the Allens. Because Justinian wanted Allen to help in taking some land off their neighbours. And he wanted the Allens to join in the fighting. Make it seem more legitimate. Yeah. Like a, a local skirmish and then they could just step in at the end and take the land. It was a sensible plan. Yeah. As long as the Allens went for it. Anyway, Conan was given a huge sum of money and then sent on his way. Nice. On the way, he placed all of the money in the city of Pharsis before crossing the mountain range to the land of the Allens. Didn't want to take the money with him. Bit risky. Yeah. Going through some dodgy land here. Mm. But it, it's nearby. He can get access to it quickly, he thinks. Hole in the ground. Well, it's in a city. You still got hole in the ground in the city. You can, you can. But there are other options. There are other options. Under the mattress in the hotel he stayed at. Of course. Under in a teapot. Belonging to someone's grandmother. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Grandma Mildred. Yes. Mildred's teapot. He split it in half. Half in Mildred's teapot, half under the mattress. Sensible. Playing it safe. Yeah. So he's done that, and then he's gone off to the land of the Allens. When he arrived, he talked to the Chief Allen, which... uh, I think is the title they gave. Yeah, and his name was... Alan. Yeah. yeah. And the talks were going quite well. The Allens were quite keen on this idea. Yeah, mm. we, we are more than happy to go and fight the Abaski. They have been a thorn in our side for a while, said the Allens in yeah. unison. So, yeah, things, <laughs> things are going quite well. However, Conan then heard a rumour that the money in Pharsis was gone. Oh, she made a tea, didn't she? Yeah. And she's bought a new bed. Flip the mattress. Damn it. You're supposed to do that every now and again. Oh, yeah. Most people don't bother, but... If you don't, you go blue. Mildred's on it. Oh, she really you, is. You go blue. Yeah. 
okay. Well, no, the rumour was that Justinian II himself had ordered the removal of the money. Oh. He'd sent soldiers to the city to take the money back. And just think they're, they're grabbing the teapot from Mildred's poor hands. Yeah. So the last thing her husband left her before he died. Well, she she's she promised to look after it for, yeah. for Conan. And what's Conan going to think? She oh. says. It's, it's sad times for Mildred. It is. It she is. has no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, Conan wasn't happy. I mean, what what's going on here? Why on earth is Justinian taking his funds away? Yes. Is Justinian trying to engineer his failure? Did Justinian actually think Conan was plotting against him and mm. is trying to bring about his downfall? Or is this misinformation spread by the Abaski uh, to try and get him to turn against his emperor? <gasps> Ooh. He doesn't know, but something dodgy's going on. Send a message. Well, it's, it's, things are moving too fast to send a oh. message. Yeah. Pigeon. <laughs> they don't have any pigeons, and Roger's on holiday. Roger doesn't have holidays. He's delivering letters in Africa, you mean? Yeah, that, that's okay. a holiday for him. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Changes as good as a rest. It's one of his <laughs> mottos. <laughs> anyway, while trying to work out what to do, Conan was interrupted, and Alan came into his room. Hello, Mr. Conan. <laughs> yeah. And informed him that the Allens had just been offered a large sum of gold to hand him over to the Abaski. Now, Mr. Conan, we've got a bit of an awkward situation here. <laughs> We've just been given some gold to hand you over to the Abaski. Now, we don't like the Abaski, but we feel we have to do it because it's a lot of gold. I mean, a lot of gold. That is pretty much what happened, yes. Because they had indeed accepted... Oh, Alan. I imagine there was a bit of a pause. Oh. <laughs> but then Alan grinned <laughs> and said, and I quote here, as you can see, that's, that's not the right voice. I think you're going to have to read the quote. Hang on. Well, as you can see, the road to Romania is closed and you do not know how to cross. Instead, let us turn around and agree to them to give you up. We will send our men off with them, learn their mountain passes, and then raid and devastate their land to do your service with our pocket protectors. <laughs> yes, there we go. That's that's what they said. That's weird. So they're, they're almost doing like a trappy kind of thing. Yes, I imagine Conan let out a huge sigh of relief at this point. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yes. Oh, Alan, thank you. The, the plan was to meet with the Abaski, give Conan over to them, and then the Allens would leave, but then double back and rescue him. Nice. In fact, Alan went on. We will secretly come back and kill them and hide you until our army is mustered. Our mustard. And we can invade their land. My surprise. Yeah. And amazingly, this plan worked. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, it sounds like one of those plans that is just not going to work. Because it's far too complex and convoluted. Oh, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. I, Conan was given over in a meeting, all tied up, uh, but then... I bet you love that. <laughs> and the Allens suddenly came riding over the hill and uh, rescued him. <laughs> Charge! <laughs> and that, now the Allens knew all the mountain passes... Uh, they were able to attack and defeat the Abaski, Wowden Allen. Oh, brilliant. And all the other Allens. So, yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Now, as far as we can tell, and Theophanes, our source at the moment, hmm. really is not clear at all, uh, but it seems like Justinian then sent for Conan to return. Wowden, you've sorted all that out without even using all the money. I'm very impressed. Because <laughs> we're taking it. <laughs> yeah. So, Wowden, you can come home. Oh, brilliant. But Conan, still a little bit suspicious, 
decided to stay in the region for a while, see how things settle. Yeah, fair enough. He's in no rush to, to get back, just in case. Now, soon after, there was a skirmish between Roman and Caliphate troops in the area. About 200 Romans had been cut off and had retreated in the direction of Conan and the Alans. Yeah. Now, Conan hears about this and decides, ah, well, okay, we've got 200 Roman troops, abandoned and alone. I'll go and meet up with them and bring them back into the army. Yeah. Yeah, that's sensible. So, Conan took a, a detachment of Alans and uh, went to meet up with these lost Roman troops. Charge! No, Alan, no. <laughs> no. We're rescuing. Well, Conan learnt once they'd met up with the troops, that the rest of the Roman army had, in fact, managed to retreat back to Romania. Oh, brilliant. Romania. It's the first time we've used Romania to describe yeah. the empire. It's been described as Romania a lot in the sources, because it's the land of the Romans. And you know what? I think I'm going to use it, because that's what they called themselves at the time. Romanians. Romans. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Romania. You see, trouble with still calling it Romans and Rome is that you get confused with the city. Yeah, that's that's messing with my head every single week. Yeah, thought so. Because you don't call them Byzantines or Byzantines, do you? No, no. Because why Romans. would you? They're yeah. Romans, and they come from Romania, the land of the Romans. So yeah, who knows? I might start using the word Romania. I might just keep calling it the Empire. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see what sticks. See, see what feels right. See yeah. what feels right. I'm determined not to use Byzantine, though. No. <laughs> I'm just not doing it. I'm not. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Conan learnt that the army, the most of the army, had managed to get back home. And they were now sort of trapped outside the Empire's limits. And this Caliphate army was coming and looking for them. So they were in a bit of trouble. But Conan came up with a plan. He sent a letter to the nearby fortress of Sidiron. Ooh. Now, this fortress was ran by a commander called Pharos Manios, and he swore allegiance to the Caliphate, but also Armenia, who were currently at peace with the Romans. So we're in politically tricky land here, as you can see. There's uh, independent cities, fortresses, Mm. towns that are kind of swearing allegiance to various places. Things are a bit messy. So this doesn't cause a problem. Well, Conan pointed out that if Pharos Manios was loyal to the Armenians, then it would be best if he caused no trouble with the Romans. In fact, if Pharos Manios helped the abandoned Roman troops, the Empire would look very kindly on the man, if you know what I mean. Nudge, nudge. Oh, yes. Wink, wink. Wink, wink, indeed. Something wrong with your eyes, sir. Pharos Manios sent back word. Nice. One word. No. No! <laughs> yeah. That's a bit disappointing. Fine, Conan's got plan B. He's going to set that in motion. He sets all his men about the gates of the fortress, hidden in the underbush. Yeah. Perhaps with twigs on their helmets and things. Oh, brilliant, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got his 200 Roman troops, but he's also got his detachment of Alans. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So they're all there hiding. <laughs> Duck down the white shirts. <laughs> Bit of a giveaway. Pretty obvious. Sorry. <laughs> Can you at least stain your shirt with green ink? We only use red. Well, they lay in wait until the gates of the fortress opened for some routine reason, and a group of men in the garrison came out. Conan's ambush worked perfectly. The fort gate was taken with relative ease. However, the fortress had a citadel within it, and Pharos Manios was held up, refusing to come out. Like you would. Hmm. Conan went to have words. Conan, 
again said, Are you sure you don't want to help us? See us safely to the Black Sea, and we will look kindly upon you. If you add your numbers to ours, the Caliphate won't trouble us. We can mm. escape. Faris Manios, seeing his number up, said he, he'd think about it. He was leaning towards it. I shall ponder this Yeah. as your knife is at my throat. He, he would send men to help, 300 of them, in fact. <gasps> I'll do that. And also, here's my son as hostage, so you know that I'll, I'll do the right thing. So little Jimmy was sent out oh, alone Daddy. into the arms of Conan. He's his favourite son, though. <laughs> or the annoying youngest one. Probably the annoying one. Yeah. But this isn't enough for Conan, who said, What sort of servant to the Empire do you call yourself when you're talking to us all shut up? We cannot withdraw until we have taken the Citadel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's not good enough just give me your kid. We are taking you out of there. We need to shake hands. Yeah. So reluctantly, and after getting Conan to pledge an oath that he would do no harm, <laughs> and only enter with 30 men, Faris Manios opened the gates. Okay. What he had not heard was Conan's whispered instruction to his men, which was, when we go in, I'm quoting here, seize the gates so we can all enter. Oh. The troops poured in, the building was burnt to the ground. He gave his oath. Oh, he did, and he went back on it. The enemy were captured as they ran screaming from the building. For three days, the Romans tore down the fortress until there was nothing but shards and rubble. See, if you're the caliphate and you've just seen that, that might irk you. So they were on our side and you've just taken our thing. Show of force, though, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, with that and the extra men, they then headed to the coast. So you've now got Conan, a bunch of abandoned Romans, <laughs> a bunch of Alans. And a bunch of these men who have just been defeated, who are probably not feeling too happy. No. So, interesting company. So, yeah, and there we go. That, that's pretty much where that story ends. They make it to the coast, and then um, Conan gets on a ship and heads back to Constantinople. Yeah, fair. Yeah. It's a strange story, this. It's got a few holes in it. <laughs> and we're off obviously missing parts as well. I mean, why, why did they raise the fortress to the ground? Why didn't they just make it to the coast anyway? Why did they film a need to stop? I guess back then you you want to make a point. Yeah, I mean, possibly. it's probably a show of force. Maybe it's a message from the emperor that we want to show a force to the caliphate here. Yeah, we can't yeah. let people dictate to us like that. Way we we are we are Rome. What this is is a surprising amount of detail. It's suddenly mm. thrown into this very dark period of sources. That's true, actually, yeah. yeah, but this is still Theophanes, who suddenly has all this detail, uh, leading historians to believe that he actually had access to Leo's diaries. Okay. Yeah. Or made it up. Or made it up, but it's only around Leo that he suddenly finds this detail. Oh, sorry, spoiler warning, in case you haven't realised, Conan is Leo. OMG! Oh yes, I know, I had Sorry. not expected that. I was leaving that for a big reveal, and I realised I let it slip. I apologised. Well, I did not expect that. <laughs> no. Anyway, we don't hear of Conan again until Justinian dies, and Philippicos was blinded and made to go away. <laughs> it never happened. Then, when Anastasius II takes the throne... He looked around for competent generals. Remember, Anastasia seemed actually all right and looking to defend the Empire yeah. from the incoming Caliphate invasion. So he looks around, and there's this relatively young general who did all right earlier in the East, won a few skirmishes, did some good diplomatic work. Maybe he could become the governor of Anatolia, or Anatolicon, 
which is the the main theme, remember, main region. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of arguably the empire at this point. It's one of the largest, one of the richest. It's slap bang in the middle of modern day Turkey. So Conan is given that area to rule. Nice. Yes, he's now the governor. And of course, this caliphate invasion that everyone's waiting for then happens. Yeah, it is. The caliphate didn't invade with one army, but two armies. Two large armies. This is the force that we have been hinting at for the last couple of episodes. The one that Anastasius was trying to prepare for, and the one that, it was feared, was heading for the capital itself. Only they had to go through Conan first. Or rather, Leo, as I've pointed out. Yeah. Uh, At some point, Conan changes his name to Leo. We have no idea when. Maybe it was when he first joined Justinian II's retinue, and he wanted a more Roman-sounding name. That's that's fair enough, because that would make a difference back then. Yeah. They were massive racists back then, weren't they? Oh, they were. <laughs> like today. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, it could have been then. Maybe it was when he became emperor, he changed his name mm. upon becoming emperor, like well, we've seen before. Yeah, they did. Uh, maybe it was sometime in between. We don't know. I'm just going to start calling him Leo from now on, though. So, we've got Leo, governor, and we've got the incoming caliphate army. Yes. Now, what follows is a little bit messy. Again, we have... Just a couple of sources, and Theophanes goes into the surprising amount of detail. Almost too much, in fact. The famous Byzantine historian Norwich, who died very recently... Oh, uh, yeah, of course, Yes. Yeah. Well, he, he wrote about... Um, obviously, he wrote about this, because he released some very famous books about it. And he states about this moment, I quote here, Unfortunately, Theophanes' account is so involved as to be largely incomprehensible. <laughs> And then kind of skims over this period in a couple of paragraphs. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to do my best here. Just be warned, though, this is me attempting to stick together Theophanes' very confusing account into a coherent narrative. Okay. So I may have missed the mark slightly. This is me going directly into the primary source and trying to make sense of it. Did you learn Greek for this, then? <laughs> yes, I did. I was quite impressed with myself. <laughs> So, here we go. The Caliphate are invading. As we've seen, the Opsikion forces mutinies, and then forces Theodosius III onto the throne. Yeah. Leo was not happy with this. He was very loyal to Anastasius. Anastasius obviously had made him governor. He was his bro. Yeah. And soon enough, rumours of Leo marching on the capital to take the throne straight off Theodosius III starts to spread. (laughs) But Leo was too busy to do anything about it, because... He had the caliphate bearing down on him. So, Leo's running around trying to get everything organised, and then one day, much to his surprise, he receives a letter. Oh, what's this? It's a letter from none other than one of the caliphate's generals, a man named Solomon. And I will quote from the letter here. We know that the Roman Empire is rightfully yours. Come to us, and let us discuss peace terms. Mwahahahaha. <laughs> Pretty much. It's a bit sinister. Well, Leo wrote back, if you want to discuss peace, then why are you currently sieging the major city in my region? Hmm, fair point. Yes, a city called Amarion. A big a big city yeah. that was currently being sieged. And it's right in the middle of Leo's theme, so he's kind of in charge of that. Yeah. Yeah. Solomon wrote back saying that if Leo approached to talk, they would lift the siege. Honest. <laughs> Meanwhile, Solomon ordered his troops outside the city to start chanting, Leo for Emperor. Ooh. And the city, despite obviously disliking the attacking forces, 
like you do. Yeah, yeah. Um, they did like the idea of Leo being the emperor, because they all really liked Leo, so they start chanting too. Oh dear. So you've got this really bizarre spectacle of two opposing forces, one sieging a city, the other inside the city, and both sides are chanting Leo for emperor. But you just know that it would then get really competitive. So the Romans on the inside are going, Leo for emperor! Shout louder, shout louder, shout louder! And then obviously the Caliphate are doing it back there, trying yeah. to get louder. It's just a mess. And then the Roman forces start putting up bunting, and then the oh, Caliphate yeah. forces start with balloons, fireworks. fireworks. Yeah, uh, they're closer to the east, so they'll have been able to bring fireworks oh, yeah, over. Oh, of course. Yeah. Then the Romans just start taking their clothes off. <laughs> yeah, tattoos of Leo's oh. face on oh. their faces, so they all look like Leo. Oh, that's a bit weird. What Leo, Leo? Leo, Leo. Yeah, uh, everyone's just chanting Leo. Big Leo fest. Someone organizes Leo fest. Oh. Yeah. What year are we in? Seven seventeen, I think. Leo fest seven seventeen. Yeah. Get yeah. the t-shirt. That's going on. That's really weird. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> well, Leo. I mean, obviously not an idiot. Suspects a trap here. Probably it's causing division with the emperor. Yeah. But, still, he cautiously approaches the general with 300 men and camped nearby. Leo's thinking, I'll see what they have to say, hmm. because who knows, perhaps I could become emperor here. Oh, from sheep herder to... Well, yes, exactly. Emperor. So for three days, very tense talks take place at Leo's camp with a small number of Solomon's men who had turned up. Solomon told Leo that if he agreed to peace terms, they would withdraw and then help Leo gain the throne in Constantinople. Oh, that's treason. But then, during the meeting on the third day, one of Leo's men suddenly burst into the tent and told Leo that there were approximately 3,000 caliphate cavalrymen trying to encircle the camp. Distraction. <laughs> yes. I didn't, with the talks, been distracted by the talks, yes. and you bring your yeah. horses in. Yeah. A caliphate man named Zubair immediately announced that a slave earlier that day had stolen a great treasure from Solomon in the morning. Uh, and that is why the cavalry were on the move. Honest. Honest. They're tracking down a slave. Leo was not fooled and said as much. <laughs> so then he was told, and from now on, Zubair's never mentioned again. Okay. But there's lots of people talking to Leo. So I'm just going to assume that Zubair was a high-up spokesman. Okay. And I'm going to say it's him. Right. It makes the narrative flow a bit better. So Zubair then told Leo that, okay, fair enough, maybe this isn't actually true. What's really going on here is we are trying to capture a bishop that has escaped from your city. Now, this bishop had been secretly taking messages between Leo and the citizens of the city, and Solomon had found out and wanted to take the bishop down to make sure Leo wasn't sending secret messages. A bit overkill, those 3,000 horses <laughs> for one bishop. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, this is what Leo's thinking. Mm. Zubair is reassuring him. No, Solomon honestly just wants the bishop. These talks can continue. We weren't trying to capture you, promise. <laughs> just stay in the tent. <laughs> and uh, actually, I always find talking is easier when you're not distracted by the other senses. So could, could you put this blindfold on, please, Leo? <laughs> and we don't want to keep moving around so much. I'm just going to tie your hands together <laughs> behind your back. Well, Leo obviously realises he's in trouble at this point. Yeah. Things are looking bad. So he told Zubair that the bishop was not with him, but had already left. But he was willing right now to go to Solomon himself 
talk face to face with the man and sort this out. Oh, that's 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 taking the ball by the horns. Oh yeah. So Zubair agreed to this. Okay. Obviously, they have orders to try and make sure Leo doesn't escape. So they think, okay, he's, he's coming with us. This will be fine. So the Caliphate and the Roman men set off on a journey that would last at least two days, heading for Solomon's camp. A very tense journey started. Leo wasn't a prisoner. Oh, no. Of course not. No. No, no. He was coming by his own free will. Hmm. And besides, the Romans actually outnumbered the Caliphate men in this precise spot. So these were just the Romans going towards the Caliphate men. Just being escorted. Yes, exactly. It's fine. No one's being trapped. Absolutely <laughs> Everything's not. okay. Just keep going down this road. Then, at a signal, Leo started in a different direction. Ooh. Oh, yes. And I'll quote here. Where are you going? <laughs> Asked one of the Caliphate men. Yes, we, we have quotes. Direct quotes of people speaking. Uh, There's suddenly very detailed sources. Where the bloody hell are you going? <laughs> well, Leo told them that he knew of a good place to camp. So he was just going off to camp near a stream. Time to rest. Zubair, possibly Zubair, had a choice to make. He could either force the issue and perhaps be killed, or he could let Leo go and camp where Leo wanted. So, Zubair chose the latter, understandably. But he also said he was not going to follow Leo. After all, it might be a trap by the Romans. You've got two sides not trusting each other at all. So Zubair announced that he would go ahead and let Solomon know of their arrival. So Zubair and the Caliphate men ride off. The Romans go and make camp. The next day, Leo sent just one of his bodyguards to Solomon, stating that Leo did not trust Solomon. And this is why he had withdrawn. Leo rode away with his men. Fair enough. However, by this point, remember I said there were two armies? Yeah. Well, the second army now arrives, and this army is led by Maslama. Now, Maslama appears to, although it's hard to tell, be higher up in the ranks. I think he may even be an heir to the Caliph. Oh, okay. But it depends which Maslama it is. Yeah. Yeah, and the sources really are not secure. Anyway, together, Maslama and Solomon lifted the siege of the city and proceeded not to ravage the land or kill lots of people. That's nice. That is nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Friendly. Then Maslama sent word to Leo. What on earth's going on? Are we going to get you the throne or not? I thought this was the plan. Why have you not come to talk to us? So Leo sent word back, and I quote her, I wanted to approach you, but when I came, Solomon tried to capture me. So now... I fear to approach you. Maslama said to the messenger, Now I know the general is playing with me, because I have not harmed his province at all. So this is why they're not ravaging the land. They're Mm. really trying to get Leo on side. Good. The messenger replied that Leo spoke the truth. So Maslama sent word back to Leo with assurances, and again the talk seemed to be back on. Leo sent word. I have received your letters, and I accept your plan. Behold, I am on my way to you. But as you know, I am a general, and I have money, silver, and an army following me. Send me safe conduct for each of them. If affairs turn out as I want of you, well and good. Then I will return without penalty, and without being put to difficulty. So in other words, if you're tricking me here and you're attempting an ambush, you will ruin any chances of me becoming the emperor, and having me as your man on the throne. If, however, you're telling the truth... This plan could actually work. That's a nice little psychological seed. Yeah, so it's like, just in case you are, this is a trick. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, 
what you're trying to bribe me with is achievable. So perhaps we should definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah. However, due to Maslama's army being too large to stay in one place, Leo found that Maslama had moved on. And soon he had other things to think of, because Theodosius III had heard that Leo was looking to become emperor by this point, and had sent his son out to track him down. Oh dear. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Leo swung by, defeated Theodosius III's son Brilliant. with ease, and captured him. Oh, wonderful. And that's about as much detail as we have on that. Yeah. Oh. Good. So I assume that was quite easy. Maybe he literally was on his own. Maybe. I think we theorised that the son was about ten years old. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> with little, all his little wooden horses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with one squeaky wheel on the back that's yes. trailing in the dust. Yeah. <laughs> Leo. <laughs> Anyone seen Leo? There to meet your death. <laughs> little wooden sword. Anyway, now, bizarrely, Theophanes, who's recounting all this, then simply states that Maslama and Solomon retreat back to Syria, yeah. and doesn't explain why. Now, what is likely to have happened here is that after capturing Theodosius's son, mm. Leo wrote to Maslama, pointed out that his rise to the throne would be far easier if it did not look like he had support of the caliphate. So you guys back off, I'll go to Constantinople, claim the throne, and then whatever it is he promised. We have no idea what he promised, but it would appear he promised something. So this looked better for me if I didn't look like a traitor. Even though I am a massive, massive traitor, <laughs> this... don't make you look like it. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Now, either he has offered some land... Offered to look the other way during raids if he's in charge. Some historians have suggested even that Leo had offered to fold the entire empire into the caliphate. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, but we we simply don't know. There was obviously some kind of promise made, though. <laughs> 4,000 sheep. <laughs> Maybe. That's what he's good at. Yeah, it he worked before. Yeah. Anyway, a few months previously, Leo had made an alliance with another governor of the region named Artabatus. A marriage of Leo's daughter to the man solidified this alliance, and together they marched on the capital. There were no battles, no sieges, as we have seen. Leo simply sent word into the capital that he wanted the job, and then waited. <laughs> he soon received word from the emperor. If Leo would let Theodosius and his family go free, then Theodosius would gladly step aside. I'm more than happy to step aside. See, he did do that for the best of the empire. He did to save his own life. That's why he didn't give those points. Yes. So Leo simply walked into the capital and took the throne. Much to many people's relief. Here's a decent Ooh. general rather than Theodosius III. Yeah. Five months later, perhaps right on cue, although it's hard to tell, Suleiman and Maslama return with their armies. Hi! This time they headed directly for the capital, giving more support for the idea that something had been arranged. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen? Um, siege. Because I reckon they were promised something that they don't get it, and they're really annoyed and they're going to siege. That's my honest guess. Oh, it's a pretty good guess. Well done. I'm Thank giving you. you some ranking points. Yes! It's been a while since you've got some. Oh, that's my fifth one. Yeah. Well, who knows? Did you give me two at one? Half. Oh, three and a half. <laughs> well, yeah, if a plan had been arranged and something had been promised, the caliphate generals soon learnt that they had been betrayed. Ooh. Leo had absolutely no intention on giving them anything. Yeah. 
and had spent the last five months being emperor doing nothing but building up the city's defences. Fair enough. Building upon Anastasius's very sensible preparations. Mm. Oh, yes. So, Maslamo, with approximately 80,000 men, apparently, so a good, wow. good force he's got there, they face the wall of the city. They dig trenches and a wall of their own facing the city to keep anyone from leaving. Mm. Meanwhile, Suleiman arrived with a fleet of perhaps 2,000 ships. This was to be a siege to rival the one under Constantine IV. Yeah. Well, that lasted five years, three years? Well, yes, it lasted five years, but this one was different because that one, the Caliphate retreated every winter, giving the Romans a a break. Maslama and Suleiman decided not to lift the siege. Or just round the year sieging. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure on the city, but also, obviously, a lot of pressure on the sieges. Oh, yeah. Pressure all round. That's a lot of resources you've got to invest in that. So you better get something good out of it. Yes, definitely. Well, I mean, the city was uh, strained to begin with. Yeah. A lot. In fact, uh, apparently it was only the Greek fire and the strength of the walls that stopped the city falling. Wow. However, there was a reason that the Caliphate had lifted the siege in winter before. It is because it was very hard to be supplied in winter, in particular if it was a harsh winter. So they all had to hope for a mild winter. Oh, dear. (laughs) This was the worst one in living memory. (laughs) This was severe winter. Apparently snow covered the ground for over 100 days. Snow? Is this... Because scientists recently talked about the worst year to ever be alive (laughs) in history, and it was seven-something. Was it? Maybe it was this one. Oh, that's... If it is, that'd be amazing. Uh, 536... Why, why was 536 so bad? Um, enormous volcanic eruption in Iceland launched massive amounts of ash into the sky. Mysterious fog. 18 months. Oh, yeah, no, I think I briefly mentioned that. China has experienced below freezing. Crops failed across Asia, Europe and Middle East. It was in Justinian's rule, isn't it? There's bubonic plague as well. Yeah, so 200 years off, but... Yeah, um, the only reason why I didn't go into more detail about that when it happened is because we were doing Justinian and we had so much to fit in in yeah. that episode. Uh, yeah. big head. Which is a shame because that is interesting. Yeah. But yeah, oh, well. no, that's not now. We'll save the volcano for later. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> anyway, back to the siege. So, it's snowy on the ground. The Caliphate men sat shivering in their tents designed to keep keep off the desert sun rather than the icy Thracian winds. So no, oh, no floor mat. Oh. Yeah, it, it, was, it won't be good. It's not pleasant. It would be very cold, icy, horrible. <laughs> uh, the food soon ran out. Mm. So the men started eating the horses and then the asses. <laughs> so the Caliphate were there eating ass, you could say. Yes, they were. And then the camels. Oh. Yeah. According to Theophanes, once they ran out of the livestock, they then, and I'm just going to say that perhaps Theophanes is slightly biased and not telling the truth here, but... Can, can I guess where this is going? Go on. Uh, cannibalism. Keep going. What? Because <laughs> it's worse than that. Themselves. <laughs> just gnawing on their own stumps. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They chopped up the dead men and placed them in a pan with their own feces 
and baked them. There is no way that is true. No, I mean... It's that is not even literally possible. Literally just the most disgusting thing you can think of. Even back then, they knew that would be dangerous to do. And just why would you do it? You just wouldn't. Do you know how desperate you'd eat grass or twigs? As much as morally eating other people is a bad thing, why would you ruin good meat by putting it in a poo pie? <laughs> You just wouldn't, would you? No. <laughs> no. So anyway, with this famine, obviously came pestilence. A disease ran rife throughout the camp, mainly due to the conditions. I mean, the ground was no. too frozen to bury any of the bodies, so they were just thrown into rivers and streams, which they then... I keep them well preserved, though, you could argue. What, in the, the icy bodies. water? Well, the bodies in the cold air, anyway. Yeah, but, I mean, it's only so long, it's going to keep it well preserved. Yeah. And they threw them into the water, and then they drank the water... Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, lots of people getting very ill and dying. Solomon included. He dies right. around this time, oh, apparently, oh. yeah. Although this might be confusion with the caliph, who is also called Solomon, who died at this time, but just not at, like he's not at the siege. Okay. So this might be sources getting confused. Okay. It's it, This is all a bit messy. I've tried to yeah. make it sound not messy. But anyway, Solomon, the general, seems to die at this point. But then spring came, and the forces managed to find some strength. And things were not looking great in the city. Winter had also been hard on them, and they were getting through their supplies far quicker than anyone had planned. And then, one morning, the alarm was raised. A massive fleet was coming. Oh, man. The Romans had been able to hold off the Caliphate navy, just about, by using Greek fire. Yeah. But now a second armada was approaching, almost as big as the first. However... Horror turned to joy, as it was noticed that most of the ships in the fleet were being commanded by Egyptians. Now, the Egyptians on board, still mostly being Christian, Egypt hadn't been in the Caliphate for very long by mm. this point, so most Egyptians were still Christian. And the Christians on board decided to throw their lot in with the Empire rather than the Caliphate. Oh, brilliant! Oh yeah, mass desertions. All of a sudden, the sea seemed much safer. Oh, brilliant. The land, however, still held by the Muslim forces. Yeah. Yeah, who were gaining strength after an appalling winter, and things were going downhill in the city. A very real possibility that the capital would fall still existed. It could be any day that Stuart, on the key hook, down, oh, yeah. down in the cellar, just decides to give up his keys, and they sneak in somehow. Well, he's done it enough, hasn't he? Exactly. So, I mean, it's, things aren't safe. They're looking slightly better. But then, one day... Horns blared from the north. Everyone looked up. That is no orc horn, <laughs> said one person. And everyone looked at them. What are you talking about? Because riding down the plains came the Bulgars. Oh, this is this is just uh, Helm's Deep right at the end. At first light on the third day. Right I think this is more the, the riders of Rohan outside Minas Tirith. Oh, yeah. Yes. Because Constantinople is Minas Tirith. So yeah, I mean, the Bulgars had no love for the Romans, as we've seen. No. But at least the Romans were Christian. <laughs> Theorising, quite sensibly, that if the Caliphate took Constantinople, it would only be a matter of time before the Caliphate's attention turned to the Bulgars, mm. the Bulgars decided to help out. Nice. Yeah, we hate you, but we hate them more. So... <laughs> this is like a whole easty-west attack on the east. 
Yes, exactly. They smashed into the already weakening Caliphate forces, killing apparently 22,000 of them. That's a lot. Yeah. Maslama, realising that it was all over, ordered the retreat. Constantinople had survived yet another siege. The Empire would live on. Nice. Leo came out of all this as the saviour of Rome. He did nothing. I mean, he probably did a lot, actually, organising. He did quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he managed to hold off Maslama yeah. and Solomon by deceiving them for months yeah. whilst Rome got ready. Because all of that talking with them, he had no intention whatsoever no. of betraying Rome. He was just deceiving them yeah. every step of the way. So, well done, Leo. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they call him Leo Leo. That's why they call him Leo Leo. And he is now the emperor. He's already the emperor. Yeah, but now he's the emperor and no one's attacking. So ah. he can enjoy it a bit more. Okay, yeah. 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 Redecorate the palace. Yeah, exactly. Go for pastel colours. And from now on, we have far less information. It's almost like uh, Theophany's got up to this point and decided just, nah, that will do for detail. So we're back <laughs> to pretty much nothing at all. Also, Theophany's despises Leo. So oh. the bias really kicks in strong here. Okay. For the next ten years or so, Leo ruled, as far as we can tell, quite well. After the Twenty Years' Anarchy and the war, things were a little bit of a mess, mm. and they needed sorting out, so he got to sorting them out. The year after the siege took place, he had a son named Constantine, and he was baptised, and everyone celebrated. Unfortunately, the baby pooed on the altar. So they had him killed. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Some claimed that this was an ill omen. <laughs> it's ill baby. And he soon developed the nickname Coprinimus, or dung-named... Or essentially Pooface. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So his heir is Constantine Pooface. Is he the next emperor? He's the next emperor. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's not really Pooface because it's it's Poo-named, but Poo-name doesn't really work in our language very no. well. I'm guessing it was meant to just be a silly, funny, mocking nickname. Yeah. So I'm going for Pooface. The big doo-doo. <laughs> Anyway, Leo then spent some time reorganising the empire. He executed some men from the Opsikion theme, so obviously they were still up to no good and they were being dealt with. Good, good. About a year after this, Constantine Pouface became co-emperor. Hmm. Leo making sure his dynasty was well and secure. Theophanes also mentions that Leo turns his attentions to the religious minorities in the city. In a good way. Is it ever in a good no, way? Yeah, is it? <laughs> Hi, guys. Notice you're the minority in the city. How about a festival and a free temple? Just, that never happens in no, history, it does it? I don't know why. You're minorities. You're causing all the problems. <laughs> yeah, he um, namely looked at heretical subsections of Christianity okay. and Judaism yeah. and forced the Jews to get baptised. Oh. Of course you can stay here, but you need to convert. Oh. Yeah, not great. Uh, but, I mean, this is a throwaway line in Theophanes, and no more detail is given. Uh, it wouldn't have been pretty, though. No, it wouldn't have been pretty. The other thing that Theophanes mentions that I find really interesting, but an annoyingly, I found it nowhere else. None of, like, the historians writing about this period seem to pick up on it. Uh, he got a new advisor named Beza. Beza was a Roman Christian who had been captured by the Caliphate at some point. While there, he converted to Islam and then returned to the empire. According to Theophanes, Leo favoured Beza because he was physically strong and agreed with the emperor on many points. So he's just got this really big buff advisor 
who has converted to Islam. A yes man. Yeah, which is, it's like, you've got a Muslim in the court of Leo III, and but we've not come across this before. No, but it's not too dissimilar for from his position earlier, where he was a, an Arabic speaker in a very Greek-speaking Roman court. Ah, but he was Christian, and that would have been seen as different. True, but I, w- I would argue there's there's there are certain parallels. Oh yeah, it's, it's certainly not impossible, it's just... Interesting that we've not seen it. That's true, yeah. But more interesting that I literally, it's a throwaway line in Theophanes and it's not mentioned in any of the other books I've got. Mm. And I wanted to know more about this guy. Who is this big muscly Muslim man who who is now advising Leo? I want to know his story. But we don't get it, unfortunately. We'll make one up for him. We will. Anyway, so... There's that. Then, in 725, Leo decided on a course of action that he would become most famous for. Now, being Eastern from the Syrian border, it's likely that his family sympathised with the Monophysites. It's back. Oh, no, not another ecumenical council. Now, wait, 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 wait for it. It's also likely that he knew more about Islam than most Romans. He was from the Syrian border, and there's a good chance his best friend now is is Muslim. So he knows a bit about Islam perhaps more than most, in the Hmm. court. Now, we don't know for sure, but it would appear that these influences had an effect on Leo, as did the words from a growing group of bishops. There was a faction growing in the city. People were starting to point things out, such as the Jews and the Muslims. They don't worship images or icons. So why do we? Isn't that all a little bit pagan? And, you know, one of the, the, the Ten Commandments out of the thousand that are in that book do say don't worship any graven images. Yeah, exactly. People are pointing to things like that. Hadn't we moved on from the whole paganism? And, after all, said one face, smug-looking person, I imagine, if Jesus only had one will, then why are we displaying him in two dimensions? What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how can you get God and put him in two or three dimensions? I'm with you. you. How, how can you represent a four-dimensional thing in a three-dimensional universe. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. And also, I've even heard of a painting of the Virgin Mary becoming the godmother of a child recently. We've gone too far. This is the start of the iconoclast movement. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. The destruction of the images of God. Iconoclast. Interesting. It had most likely been bubbling along for quite some time, but now there was an emperor who liked the sound of it, so it explodes into the mainstream of mm. Roman culture. Yeah. So, out, you will be very glad to hear, are the Monophysites and oh, the Monophylites. That's a shame. And them challenging the Orthodox, because now religious arguments is all about iconoclasts, mm. or people in favour of icons. Perhaps Leo saw it as a sign when smoke and ash started appearing on the horizon. <laughs> Pumice was being washed up on the shore, and the sky seemed hazy and red. I'm pretty sure it was a volcano. No, it's God! <laughs> it's no, a no. sign! It's definitely volcano. No! Yes, the island, now known as Santorini, had had a minor eruption. Oh, you've been there? Oh, it's an amazing place. All of you go to Santorini right now, because this is... Santorini is... Just the most amazing place. Is it? Right. See you yeah. there. <laughs> we'll record the rest when you get back. Yeah. Okay. See ya.
was amazing. It's good, isn't it? Oh, it's like a weird round circular mountains around a, 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 the sea and it's beautiful build. Oh, that was fantastic. The lemoncello was phenomenal. Yeah, That's nice. the best week I've ever had. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. For those of you who have to just imagine, like Jamie, who's just been there, oh. it was a huge volcano that erupted during the uh, Minoan Age. Oh. Uh, the the civilization on Crete before the Greeks. Yeah, um, it's theorized that this destroyed them, and the volcano just collapsed in on itself. So now what you've got instead of a big island, you've got a circular rim of islands, and the middle of the volcano collapsed into the sea. Now what's happening now in our timeline is the volcano erupts again, not a huge one, mm. but the middle island starts to appear again. Yes. So it just uh, this new island starts coming out of the sea, and that's what's happening right now. Nice. And uh, oh, oh, people are a bit freaked out by it. Like you would be. As you would be. So that wasn't there yesterday. Why is it a little bit sooty? But Theophanes describes it. In the summer, a vapour like an oven's fire boiled up for days out of the middle of the islands of Thera and Theresia from the depths of the sea, and the whole place burnt like fire, little by little thickening and turning to stone. The air seemed to be a fiery torch. It's very dramatic. People are bricking it. <laughs> anyway, so, perhaps seeing this as a, a sign, Leo decides to tear down a golden icon of Christ. Not just any, but the largest one in the city, which was above the main gates of the palace. 78 metres tall. Not quite that big, no. No. <laughs> but it was big. It was golden big, and it was above uh, one of the main gateways into the palace. Oh, nice. Yeah. As you can imagine, this causes tensions, because when a group of men from the palace go out with a bunch of ropes throwing it round this statue of Christ and start pulling it down. It doesn't look good, does it? No, and I, I, I think the worst part would be that Jeff has recently been made homeless. He was living under that statue. Yeah. He's now been squashed. That was a shame. Uh, apparently a crowd gathered, and as soon as they realised what was going on, became a mob instantly. You killed Jeff? <laughs> yes. Who? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> According to the Afanis, a group of women became so enraged that they attacked the captain of the men and killed him. Really? Yeah. Wow. This is the first time we've seen a group of women beat a man to death in the series. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Nice. People weren't happy. No. I, I'm thinking elderly women, like in their 70s with rolling pins. Oh, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Ten years of careful rule suddenly turns into civil strife almost overnight, and arguments over icons erupt. In Rome, the Pope was outraged that the Emperor had dared to decide what was right for the Church. <laughs> Fair point. The Exarch of Ravenna agreed with the Pope and rose in revolt. Leo was able to use intrigue to put down the Exarch and have the man assassinated. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately we have no details. But this did not stop the unrest, and many local garrisons within Italy itself refused to come back under the fold of the empire and declared independence. Really? Wow. This included the people living in and around the Venetian lagoon. Now, do you remember, way back in series one, Attila the Hun raised Aquileia to the ground? Yes. And the people living there went and lived in the nearby marshes. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's grown a bit, mm. and um, now there's, like, a small town city there. Now it's Venice. Yeah. 
<laughs> they declare independence, and the Republic of Venice is born. Oh, nice. Yes, the Duke, or the Dukes, or even the Doge, as it's known, um, of Venice became the leader of that republic, mm. which lasts a thousand years until it fell in the Napoleonic War. Wow. Yeah, so... That's amazing. We now have Venice on the map. Venice is beautiful. How does it smell? I can't smell anything weird. Could you not? Did you have a peg on your nose? Yes. No, oh, that'll be why. Oh. Anyway, there was a fleet raised by Leo to try and put down all this revolting in Italy, but unfortunately a storm came along and destroyed it. <laughs> so. I love how flippant those comments are. <laughs> yeah. It's probably like a two-day thing where thousands of people lost their lives. It was brutal, and the people that survived probably still wake up at night screaming. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, the fleet was destroyed. We have no details. No. It's funny, though. Be thankful we've got that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the amazing thing about all this, though, is that you can make a legitimate claim that if Leo had not woken up that morning and decided to tear down that statue in Constantinople, the Republic of Venice would not have been born. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just one of those weird little what-if situations. So he's he basically created one of the nicest places in the world. And one of the most powerful republics in medieval Europe, yeah, and um, one of the birthplaces of the Renaissance. Anyway, back to Leo. He was undeterred. He decided the only way forward was to double down on iconoclasm. <laughs> that never works. <laughs> Doubling down is great. He loved it. So, he replaced the Patriarch in Constantinople with one of his own men, and then issued a formal edict stating that all images in the empire of Jesus or God needed to be destroyed instantly. Very interesting. Anyone who did not obey would instantly be arrested. It is the Christian way. <laughs> so, all of a sudden you had monks and bishops all across the empire fleeing all over the place with just relics stuffed up their, their robes. <laughs> yeah. Mainly towards Italy or um, Greece, mm. where, where things weren't quite so bad, or in hard-to-get regions within the empire, just taking the occasional painting or, or any relics they happen to have. Like they, a shin bone. Yeah, they weren't allowed anymore, along okay. with the icons. You can't be worshipping a shin bone. That's not God. That's a shin bone. The Pope at the time, Gregory II... <gasps> Gregory! Not, 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 it's this Gregory II, I'm afraid to oh. say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Gregory! Maybe this Gregory's <clears throat> like that as well. Nah. No, is he not? Not now, you've Oh, it. that's a shame. He's, he's okay. old a bit. Well, this Gregory was outraged <gasps> and publicly condemned the emperor. The man had clearly lost his way and did not truly know God's will. Leo, in turn, was furious and decided that the Pope needed to be taught a lesson. So he sent off men to arrest the Pope. You can't arrest the Pope. Well, it's been done before. That's true. However, the men that Leo sent off returned very shortly afterwards empty-handed. The Pope had somewhat inconveniently died before they got to Rome. How frustrating. Told you he was old. Yeah. Much to Leo's annoyance, the new Pope was another Gregory and sounded very much like the old one. Now, I have nothing to support this theory and Pontifax will have to look into this, <laughs> but I have a sneaky suspicion that Gregory II simply declared he was dead, changed his name to Gregory III, <laughs> <laughs> just to get out of the trouble. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but uh, we'll wait for Pontifax to find out if that's he's, what happens. He's wearing those plastic glasses, the big fake plastic moustache. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm a completely new Gregory. <laughs> I'm Gregory. <laughs> yeah. 
So the, the new Gregory, Gregory III, was also not having any of this. This no. was awful. Fearing that the Pope would be shoring up power, Leo formally transferred many of the bishoprics in the West to Constantinople's direct control, weakening the Pope and also causing more divide between East and Western churches. Then an earthquake hit Constantinople. It was okay. a big one. Ooh. Yeah, we're not told figures but apparently many people died, a lot of buildings were toppled. It was large enough that the aftershocks were lasted a year. Wow. This was big. If you lived through it, you'd remember it the next day kind of thing. <laughs> Serious earthquake. Yeah. Wow. The walls fell. Wow, okay. Yeah. Realising the danger, Leo imposed a new tax that was levied at the citizens of the city, and soon enough they had enough to rebuild, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't have Attila the Hun bearing down on them, Mm. like last time, when they didn't need to raise taxes. (laughs) It was more of a case of build or we all die. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So the the wall was rebuilt, and uh, then Leo dies. Oh, okay. Yeah, possibly of dropsy. What is dropsy? Oh, swelling, water retention. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there we go. Uh, details get very patchy <laughs> towards the end. So he looks like he's bigger today. <laughs> and he makes some weird squelchy noises when you walk. And there you go. That's, that's Leo. Yeah. Leo 3. Thoughts? Interesting guy. Yeah. A lot of things happened. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think we'll have to... Yeah, no, let's... Sp- let's... Spend a while rating him. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. Let's go into the rooms. Fightius Maximus. Okay, we've got a surprising amount of detail here. Yeah. He led troops when he was simply Conan the Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Although technically not a shepherd anymore. Nah, I bet he, bet he took his sheep with him. I bet his entire life he had a sheep with him, at least one. Yeah. Better like at least five, just like walking around him. Bodyguards. Oh, trained. Yeah, yeah definitely. Meh. I mean, he managed to, managed to uh, win those victories with the Allens near the yes. start. Then he managed to take that fort, which was nice. Um, then, he, when he became governor of Anatolia... He managed to trick the two caliphate generals, use political fighting and just cunning generally yeah. to delay their advance, say, no, I'll definitely, I'll get in bed with the caliphate, definitely. Wait, you wait. guys just back off. Keep backing off. No, keep keep backing off. Good guy. That's it. I'll tell you when to stop. Over that mountain. There we go. All the way. Right, lads, let's get back to Constantinople and build those walls a bit higher. <laughs> uh that's pretty impressive. Actually, yeah, that's good Good strategic fightiness. Yeah, I mean, there is some indication that uh, the Bulgars only got involved because Leo engineered it. Mm. And there was some suggestion that the Egyptians only defected because Leo had something to do with that. But yeah. it's all very fuzzy. It's hard mm. to say. Maybe Leo just got lucky there. We don't know. Um, but he then managed to survive and beat back the siege on Constantinople. Another major siege turned away. Yeah. So he manages to do all of that. Uh, and then not much. No. We hear of some skirmishes, but nothing big. Bad. No massive decisive victories of his own. But he, he didn't need that, though, did he? Because he always seemed to win, or at least delay things. He didn't need massive decisive victories. Yeah, he knew how to win the war. Yeah, yeah, it's impressive, but it's not... I don't think it's up there in the high numbers impressive, but I think it's it's a good, solid it's score. six or seven. I'm going seven, I think. I'm yeah, I'd, I'd match that. Yeah, seven, 14 then. Approvium crazy. Um, really nothing for crazy. 
He didn't seem to do anything crazy. Uh, I mean, he did completely flip around the religion. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, now, as I was about to say, opprobrium, however, he did uh, from nowhere, where the, the monophysite, monophylite, orthodox arguments finally seems to be dying off, and he just puts his hand in his hat and just pulls out this whole new religious debate that everyone can have mm. that really starts to rip apart the empire. And guess what? It doesn't end here. We're going to see oh, it for a while. Excellent. So um, I mean, that's not great, but we shouldn't be predicting too much into the future. Oh, and forcing Jews? Yes, there was also forced, uh, forced conversions, which aren't great. And just because they're barely mentioned doesn't mean it wasn't hideous for the people involved. No. So, um... Yeah, that's not great. But they don't go too high, though. There's nothing standing out, is there? No. Um, three? Yeah, that's yeah. Sort of what I was thinking. So I will also match that. Okay. It's a loving tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Next. Success Ultimate. Well, let's start with the obvious big one here. He was a peasant boy in a field of sheep at the start of the <laughs> episode. He is now the Roman Emperor. That's quite a good career advancement. That is impressive. It's happened before, but not very often, and it's always no. impressive when it does. That's true. So, well done there. Uh, he also completely rebuilt the city after the earthquake, and generally uh, generally reinstated laws and regulations that had just gone to the wayside after 20 years of anarchy. Uh, the empire was in a mess, and he just very quietly and methodically starts putting it back together. And that's going to be the most important thing for any empire. You've got to be stable. Yeah, exactly. He released an updated modern handbook in Greek, so everyone could understand it, uh, that covered the laws of the empire, so that even people living in the sticks could now have access to the law. That's good. Yeah. So No, you can't kill people. No, it says so here. In only, Greek, so you can read it if you could I read. Can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now, interestingly, we see here that Christianity, by this point, has heavily infiltrated the laws. We're now seeing a lot made of the fact that the laws are God's will within this handbook. Laws are becoming much stricter about yeah. marriage and divorce and things. So, mm. yeah, we're, we're starting to see law being seen as a Christian thing rather than an empire thing. Uh, so, yeah, generally, that's all pretty good. I mean, nothing mm. flashy, really, but lots of really good things. However, you can't get around for the fact that he opened this religious divide mm. that really isn't great. And he then doubled down on it. And then he started losing Italy in the process. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, the empire's getting smaller because of this. So that's not great. Um, I, think, I think a five is fair. Yeah, it's a really mixed bag, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he, he pushed Pat the Caliphate, rebuilt the empire, but then his religious practices just uh, messed everything up, really. Um, I'll go for five. Do his positives outweigh the negatives? I'm going to say they do. I think they do. Yeah, so I'm going to go six. Mainly oh, okay. because I don't think we should keep being the same every round. Okay. Let's be different. Eleven. Okay. All right. Okay. Image of faces. There you go. That's what he looks like. Oh, he's got a beard. He's got a beard. He's got long hair. He's and, got a cross on his hat. And it looks like either massive earlobes or it's stylized hair, I can't tell. I think it's stylized hair. Okay. Fuck his eyes, look at the little dots. It's very cartoony. I guess it's very simple to make. And <laughs> yeah, that's what counts. But again, I, I guess this time, you know, art style's going to change. Yeah, yeah. So it is. Uh... It's very different from the original coins that look very realistic. Yeah, know. yeah, they, this is very stylized coin. It's. Um... 
But it's also nothing original, really. It's it's no. a man holding his cross, wearing his cross hat, long hair and a beard, which we've seen for quite some time. Mm. Um, it's very similar to you. <laughs> maybe it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, strange. He looks shocked. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a... like Oh, you know uh, N- Nintendo Wii? He looks yeah. like a me. <laughs> The lies. He does a bit with his make that. with his starey eyes. Uh, I, I've got to go middle of the road though. I'm going five. Really, I'm going like three. I'm not yeah, you're going even lower. Go on them. That is a two for Imago Facius. How long does all that last then? Um, we said it was at least ten years. It's more than ten years. Fifteen years. Twenty-three years. Blue. Yeah, we just don't have much detail on his actual rule from seven seventeen to seven forty-one. Wow. Yeah, 20, 23 years. 23 years. Like I say, just methodically Mental. ticking over. Dave looks wrong with the numbers, because from 717 to 7, you think about that'd be at 40 years, but... Yeah. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> it's not. That's really weird. Um, oh, that's insane. That is a score of 2.9. Impressive for Tempo Completo. Yeah. And his total score is 35.9. Wow. Solid, respectable score. That is in the 30s. That's in the good. 30s, uh, but not amazing. No, but better than most, I would argue. Norwich, the historian, seemed to love him. Really? Talked about him being the best emperor the Empire's seen since Heraclius. Um, but I can't say I'm seeing that. I guess he got the Empire back on track after the, the after 20 years. He did do I that. I mean, to be fair, that could increase his success points. It's 20-year anarchy, he's sorted it out. And his years. rule was longer than the 20-year anarchy. That's a good point. Are you Are you upping his success? I'm giving him now a six, yeah. He's getting an extra point then. So he's now got 12 for that. So he's now got 36.9. 36.9. Okay, oh, yeah. not bad. For the first time in a long time, though, I think we have a genuine question there. Let's go to the room. Do they have a certain César? It's a tale of two halves. The stuff with tricking the caliphate. Brilliant. Very impressive. Mm. And also from shepherd boy to emperor. I mean, that's impressive. That is pretty awesome. Um, do you know, I am leaning more towards yes. Yeah. 20 year poo storm. Yeah. For the Empire. Holding back the caliphate. Yeah. Having the whereabouts to, to organise it as they're arriving. A shepherd, a guy that shaved sheep for a living, had the strategic. Saw the Emperor, the deposed Emperor, walking past and thought, you know what? I've got a plan. And that takes some. Cojones. It does. And some sheep. Yeah. Wouldn't have worked without sheep. No, it'd just be a weird guy in a field. <laughs> with a big hook. It's got a hook. Shepherd's crook. You know. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Stick the hook I had him. an image of him standing there with just like a... Butcher's hook. Butcher's hook. Just... He blood stained suspiciously. <laughs> okay, hi, him. <laughs> the locals are taught to stay away from Conan, the madman. Yeah. yeah. Barbarian. The barbarian, they called him, yeah. <laughs> Um, you, yeah, I, I think you're right, actually. I think he, he's not amazing. No. But he is very impressive. Very interesting as well. Shepherd boy tricks the caliphate, saves the empire. If, if you just got rid of the iconoclast stuff, <laughs> then I'd be saying yes, definitely. But just what was he thinking there? I suppose he was thinking of his religion. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. his beliefs. Yeah. And people yeah. do things for that, don't they? Um, okay. I'm willing to give it if you are. Brilliant, yes. Me too. Well done. But let's do something we haven't done in a while. Oh, yeah. So, Mr. Leo. Leo 3, 
you have Shazizah. Toot! Toot! Mm. Okay. We've had a dry patch. Actually, no, we haven't had a dry patch because last time yeah. I got Jeanne Cesar. Mm. <laughs> what am I talking about? Uh, <laughs> one almost doesn't seem to count. That was more like. just for surviving, wasn't it? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there we go. We've we've got a decent emperor, and and next time we have his son, Ooh. Constantine Pooface. Yeah, can't wait for that. Yeah, who uh, Theophanes describes as the most evil person ever known. Oh, uh, don't get too excited. Oh. Theophanes just hates this guy personally. Okay. I think maybe he slept with his wife or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so thank you very much for listening. Please follow us on Facebook or Twitter if you're not already. And, you know, send us make, make a review for us, post a review for us. On, yeah, we've had a few nice ones on Facebook recently. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, just do that. Get in contact. Mm. Spread the word. Go and tell someone right now that they should listen to us. Yeah. Whoever you're looking at right now. Even if it's on the bus. Yeah, especially if it's on the bus. Even if you're driving, wind down the window. Okay, great. All that needs to be said is... Poopie! Goodbye. Goodbye. Hashem, good to see you. It's bad news, though. The troops aren't eating. They're not eating their human stew? Why not? I think it was the name. Better than corpse casserole, sir. They didn't eat that yesterday. They're not eating human stew today. At least we stopped calling it by the name of the actual person. Do you think it was all the hands, sir? You didn't even take the rings off, man. Oh, dear. Um, well, I have an idea about that, sir. Go on. Well, you know how we tend to eat at night time? Yes. And it's dark? Yes. They don't really need to see what's in there. It's fine. They can't see it. Good point. So instead of disguising what it looks like... Yes. We disguise the flavour. Wonderful. Okay, it does taste very human-y. Well, I'm thinking we can still mince up Haresh. We've still got a good half of him over there. But then add other things like certain herbs, certain spices. It'll we, just... we have no herbs and spices. We'd have eaten the herbs and spices if we had them. What about bark, sir? That's gone too. Hmm. Horse? Horse? If we had horse, we wouldn't be eating Aknaf, would we? Come on. I do have a suggestion, sir, but you won't like it. Go on. Anything we'll do. We must feed the men. Well, just just taste this, sire. See what you think. Oh. What's this? It's a stew. It looks a bit different, a bit thicker. It's certainly more viscous, sir. It it doesn't smell of human. That is for sure. It's doesn't smell great. It's hard to tell. We're so close to the latrines here. Um, okay, right, well... Just take a big spoonful and tell me what you think. Oh, that's a lot on that spoon. Okay. It is a lot. Okay, it's going in. Mm. Oh, yeah, right. Almost nutty. Yes. Mm, viscous. A lot of body to it. Musk. I'm getting musk. Getting musk. Okay, that's, mm. not, that's not a bad sign. You've got to be green, sir. I'm, I'm struggling, but it's okay. No, it's stayed down. I think it's passed the test. I could not tell that that was human. Fantastic. Then in that case, we'll start dishing it out to the troops straight away, sir. Oh, sir, you... Just hang on a second. Go on, tell me, what was this? Um, well, you know how we're near the latrines? I think I see where this is going. And they're very easily accessible. 
I definitely see where this is going. And there's a constant supply. Hang on. <laughs> oh dear, sir, that's quite impressive. Oh, sorry about that. No, that's fantastic. We'll add that to the stew as well. We'll feed twice as many men. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs>